Hey, Dennis, how are things? I'm still in Malta and it's been pouring down rain, uh, so no tennis today. How is the weather over there in the UK? Hi, everyone. Hi, Janis. <laughs> You're stuck in Malta, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Um, not too bad, actually. It was it was a lovely weekend, so I played tennis. I played paddle, so um, I'm, I'm trying to... Trying to um, widen my my focus on on different sports and and now i'm following a lot more paddles so uh so there might be some um some stuff to to look out for but yeah it's it's it has been okay and and to be fair uh when it's rainy it's even better to watch the atp finals isn't it yep no it's uh, been an interesting three matches and we can start there and then we we go to the next gen finals i mean just now a few hours ago uh, Rublev won like a statement match against Daniil Medvedev, which was quite impressive and, and rather surprising. Usually Rublev is the guy who beats everyone below a certain ranking, and then he goes to a top guy and he gets somewhat outmaneuvered because he lacks that second serve pace and maybe is a bit one-dimensional if you have to be harsh. Uh, did you see any of the match? Or I, I saw a bit of highlights. I didn't see the match in, in full. I haven't seen it, and I and I just wanted to check the head to head with uh, with Medvedev, but I think it's pretty pretty bad for Rublev's yeah. point of view so far. So I think it was it was pretty straightforward um, Medvedev so far. So it is definitely surprising, and a final set tiebreak is pretty great. And what I told you today before the podcast is that I I feel like yeah, there one might argue that the Rafa match is not the biggest surprise, but I I would say it's three surprises uh, with the three winners who who actually came through because obviously rude beat felix who has been absolutely red hot and we all like rude and 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 we we both agreed that rude has a massive tennis game but he wasn't really playing well in the last uh, two months so you didn't really expect him to do this well and he beat felix in um in straight sets and um uh, my my really good friend um uh, teammate um up in in the club just told me that he must be running on fumes now because he's he's definitely like not not the freshest of 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 the guys but you know in a way i feel like he he had a good week to recharge the battery so i don't necessarily think that he's that tired um and yeah rublev is is, is really surprising for me because even medvedev was in in an okay form so he wasn't really playing amazingly and he, he didn't do what he usually does but this is one of the like these atp tour finals are in the last five years have been really open for anyone to win it because if you look at all the winners with Tsitsipas, with with dimitrov uh, with uh, with medvedev obviously djokovic so there has been always a different winner a team was in it's the final one, right Yes, Verev won as well. So you know, it's it's um it's it's pretty exciting that every year is someone else, and this could be maybe Rublev's year. You don't know. Yeah, that could be. Uh, I mean, it's it's about catching that uh, run of form, right? Like for this week, and and be if you have nothing to lose, you're going to be playing against players that you have nothing to lose against. Like so, for a guy like Rublev, he can just keep bashing, and if he wins, it's a big big bonus. If he loses, it's not the end of the world. I mean, which for him. I think his psyche is sometimes a little bit easy to shake. He gets very angry at himself. And I think in this type of scenario, he can maybe swing freely. And if he catches a good streak of form, he can actually be very dangerous. And when it comes to the head-to-head, -head, I checked I was 4-1 to Medvedev before the match. So pretty pretty good. The Rude and uh, Aliasim head-to-head, -head, I remember that, uh, you know, we talked about that before yeah. in the Masters. You know, Ojer Aliasim got like one, two games. Uh, against Rude, and I think it's pretty a bad matchup. Rude seems to know what he's doing against him. It's, it looks like he's he's moving the ball pretty awkwardly for Felix, and he gets a lot of uh, like top spin balls on his double-handed backhand, where it's a bit more shank uh, risk, I would say. I mean, he has a tendency to sometimes shank the, especially the the backhand. And and I did watch the the highlights from there, and it, there were some uh, points where they looked like he was struggling a bit with Rude's placement. So he wasn't playing that badly. I heard someone else said that he was very nervous, so maybe that was a part of it as well because it's his first ATP Finals, it's a big thing. And Rude doesn't seem like a guy who gets very nervous. He just like Ferrer goes like a machine, just like okay, I play my tennis, play my best. If I lose, I lose. If I win, I win, which is a very good attitude to have. 
And talking about attitude, Rafa Nadal is usually a guy who has a very good attitude. And he did so yesterday as well, but he didn't have the game. It was uh, coming back from injury, long time off, getting a, you know, having a baby, all that stuff. Taylor Fritz on fire, uh, 7661. Uh, you were you a Rafa fan. How did that feel to you? Yeah, look, I mean, you know, I, I can put it in the right shelf. So I, I know how it is. Two, two things which I wanted to say. One is that it, they, they actually played on quite a high altitude. So uh, Torino, Turin is, is, is quite on a high altitude. The court seems so quick. And the balls, they are playing with the ATP, uh, Dunlop ATPs. And, and the, the balls seemed really fast. And I felt like Rafa, his swing wasn't there. And, and what was really interesting for me is that I've heard... Uh, today an interview with him or just you know a, a sentence in his press conference and he was saying that you know in his um, practice matches he was absolutely in point with everyone and and you know he could really really swing freely and he was playing well I didn't feel Rafa wasn't playing well I think there's so much pressure on his serve because he was serving pretty well but you know Taylor Fritz has one of the best serves in in the game at the moment and now, obviously, the listeners do know that we really, really like Fritz and we like his game. And, and we believe that if he would bully more, he could be a top five player. He could be a top three player because he has everything. He has his forehand, his backhand. Um, it's quite interesting that usually the, um, the British um, commentators are saying that his backhand is his better shot, which I don't necessarily think so. I think his forehand is absolutely unbelievable. And, and he's... Um, he doesn't hit it the same way as Rafa or Federer or Alcaraz or Rune does. He has quite a, um, um, it's it's quite close to his buddy how he hits both of his shots actually, and and his serve is 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 really good. So it's not just his first serve; his second serve is good as well. And and I feel like Rafa didn't really know where to to return his serves, and and he didn't really know what to do with Fritz's game, and. There were a few points in the first set and definitely in the second set as well where Rafa could have won it if he was a bit more concentrated, but somehow he didn't really come through. So I feel Fritz, look, I, I believe, yeah, he, he, he got lucky in a way, unfortunately, with Alcaraz's injury that now he's playing. But he definitely has the game to even win it all. So, I mean, you know, he's, he's a massive hitter. It's, it's really quick court. He loves quick courts. Um, he has good forehand, backhand serve. What else not to like in him? If you think about it, Rafa had by far the, the they, they were really hard for him to win his service games. And then you get to tie break and then you start with a double fold. So it's, it's not a good omen. And, and you could see it on Rafa that he wasn't a hundred percent there. But as I say, you know, I don't, I didn't really feel he was playing badly, but Fritz was just quicker. He was just stronger. So yeah, there, there wasn't that, there was just only one winner from the beginning. Yeah, I think so. And I, Fritz can definitely win. I agree with you. I think that he, I've seen him for many years since he started, like got on tour, seen him live a number of times and, and he's, he hits the ball big. Like it doesn't maybe look so, so powerful, but it, it is quite uh, impressive when you see it up close, especially. And and like if Rafa put any ball, you know, short, which he does when he's a bit nervous, not really got enough match practice, then the guy just pounces. And obviously against Rafa, if you lose, you lose. It's fine. But the, he you can just swing. And if you feel the ball uh, indoor courts pretty fast, it seems like. Uh, that was that was not so unexpected. It was not a shocking result. I, I think it was, was pretty expected actually when Rafa came back from from injury as well. He needs matches. Rafa Rafa is number one, like in, need, in needing matches to get into things. One thing actually interesting about court speeds and balls. Uh, there have been some discussion on Twitter. I followed Mare was uh, complaining about that the balls in general, balls and courts, like the the whole pace of tennis is slower in general. They try to find like the same pace all over right so you you know they try to always uh, slow the game down it seems like because the players hit so big so maybe that is the reason but he would have liked to see more variety like in the my old days you would have like pretty fast courts everywhere but here you you have quite like a, a steady trend towards having slower and slower balls slower courts uh, in general and uh, yeah i think fritz also uh, you know, chimed in that he likes the faster stuff and he likes it to be more variety where where some players obviously enjoy that it's getting slower. What do you think about that? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I grew up on watching Sampras, Ivanisevic, uh, Filipusis, uh, Krychek, and and it was it was so much fun uh, to to look at like watch those guys and and you know as a big server myself, I, I really enjoy playing on fast court. So I I do get what what like there should be more variety, and I and I get it that uh, you know if if we want to speed up things, it's Yes, it's true that like, you know, the 15 seconds between points and that sort of thing helps. But if if the rallies go on for like two minutes, it's definitely not going to help. So it's it's an interesting argument. And I and I do believe that some some things might like, look, I, I think it's 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 really enjoyable at the moment to watch tennis in general, because I think there's so many good players they know everything about tennis and, and, uh, you know, it's not just about, because what it was with like uh, Nadal and Djokovic and all those guys is, is that those, those guys could, they didn't have a weakness and that, and they still don't really have a weakness. And I think that's why they could, they could actually crush these guys. Like, you know, who were like there. Cause if, if you look at, let's say Dimitrov or Nishikori or, or Chilich, they all have some sort of weakness here and there, but now the new kids on the block, they don't like they have everything they they can do everything and that's why it's quite exciting uh, uh, about rublev as well that he he's second service it seems like is his only weakness and and he doesn't necessarily want want to come to the net that often but when he does he puts the the volleys away so that's fine same about fritz although when i see him i still as as we talked about in one of the um, previous episodes i would definitely like to see fritz more at the net um, what is quite interesting is that Kyrgios is actually playing in Turin. Uh, he's in the doubles with Kokinakis, and they lost today to um, uh, Kulhoff and Skopski. And Kulhoff is now actually world number one. So I didn't realize it on, on the last podcast is that uh, Kulhoff, Wesley Kulhoff, is now world number one in doubles. And I think Skopski is pretty much up there. I don't really know who else he plays, but he has to be up there as well because uh, they, they're usually playing with each other. And they just lost uh, today, Kyrgios and Kokinakis. But it's good to see that he came back from his sort of uh, uh, pretty quick sabbatical uh, just for a few few weeks. And and I, I expect quite quite big things about Kyrgios for next year. I think he will he will try to even win uh, down under if um, if if his uh, training camp goes well so I think I think that's that's quite an exciting one um, and what I wanted to say about Rafa is that um, I I really hope yeah he's struggling against big hitting Americans now you could see that now you could see that he was uh, he was uh, struggling against Paul uh, who had a really good tournament in Paris and now he's struggling against Fritz so he will have a bit more uh, leeway against Rude. I'm not sure about Felix, but Rude, his backhand is not as lethal as, let's say, um, as let's say Fritz's, because I still rate Fritz's backhand. I think it's it's really good. So it's a good technique. And the other thing, what I wanted to say about Fritz is that he is the um, uh, the flattest hitter out of the the eight who's in there. So, so it's it's a it's a pretty good matchup for Fritz, I think, to play Rafa because he he's quite tall and he doesn't he he doesn't get affected by the high bouncing uh, topspin by Rafa. And also another thing, what I wanted to say about Fritz is that he's playing with his Labor Cup paint job. On yeah, his I actually record. got some questions. I was good that you mentioned that because I, I get questions: Is this the new radical? Is this the new radical? And when I visited uh, Kennelbach and the head office. And I saw the new radical and the new gravity. Uh, this was in April. Obviously, they are like two years in advance with ready paint jobs and cosmetics is a better word for it. Um, and uh, this one is uh, is just or not just, but it's the Labor Cup, and the one that Mari did not want to use uh, for some uh, superstitious reasons, and uh, that Fritz is playing with. I think Fritz, from what I heard from people around the tour, is, is probably very he's not very concerned with rackets. Like he just picks something up. Uh, he doesn't really think about customization and all this stuff. Obviously, his racket is slightly customized, but uh, from what I've seen, it's not that heavy or or like it's it, a lot of the pace from him comes from his great technique. His technique is very, very good. He hits the ball super clean and can put some spin, but mainly it's quite flat 
compared to other players like Rude or Rafa who plays with so much topspin. Even Felix plays with a lot more topspin, I would say. And you talked about um, Rafa versus uh, Felix, and that's happening tomorrow. And that's going to be interesting. I think, I mean, obviously Rafa needs to win it. So he's good at when he needs to win. Felix started pretty poorly, didn't win a set in his first match. So maybe he's a little bit nervous. And we also have the situation with Tony Nadal. So uh, Tony Nadal is Felix's coach. And uh, as you know, he's also the uncle of Rafa Nadal. I wonder where he will sit in tomorrow's match. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think he, uh, when when that happens, because that happened before, he said that he's not going to be sitting in Felix's box because, you know, obviously of courtesy of, of, of your nephew, you're not going to do that. And the other thing is that I just like to call him the magician because uh, I mentioned it in the last podcast as well, but he was the one who came up and everyone knows the story and I, and I always say about that. But, but Rafa is naturally right-handed and, and Tony Nadal said to him, baby Rafa, why don't you just pick up the racket with your left hand? I just love that story. And, and that is actually a really, really good thing as well. And that's why uh, he's a brilliant coach. Um, and, and yeah, I think if Felix is a bit nervous, definitely Rafa will, will jump on that. And, uh, and it will be an interesting match. So, I mean, if, if Felix cannot really control his emotions, he will struggle against Rafa, who's, who has been there a million times. So that's not going to be a problem. And uh, what I wanted to say, I've just heard it yesterday, that the new Pure Arrow Rafa will be pink. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it actually. It's 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 relatively <laughs> uh, pink. I mean, it's it's quite colorful and uh, vivid. I mean, I I really like the current Pure Rafa. I think it's one of the best looking rackets on the market. That racket just looks like a million bucks to me. I think they really nailed it with the Mallorca inspired inspired design and how it just how it looks purely visually. So that's a great design. This one went uh, a little bit to town, uh, to be honest. I mean, uh, that's what, what I've seen on, on the... But there will be a Rafa model that is actually up to his specs. So the autograph lovers, uh, the of people who buy Federer's autograph because it's the, the specs, they can now get Rafa's because it's his actual specification. And it's a heavy beast. So uh, I don't think a lot of players will enjoy playing with that one. <laughs> Isn't it just 314, as I've heard? Is it heavier I think it's than that? 317. I'm, I'm not uh, sure I'm remembering the grams. But you have to remember that all the weight almost is in the head. Like, so yeah. there's, yeah, like, absolutely. the swing weight is massive. You have a cat tail in your face. Yes. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's Honda. No, it's Honda. It's the other one. <laughs> I have two. Okay, that's good. That's yeah. nice to have some cats. Cats around. <laughs> Always, they always want to be in the middle of the action. That's a standard cat move. Yeah, Rafa's Rafa's swing weight must be in in sky high. So that's that's like absolutely crazy, isn't it? It's not like crazy in terms of competing against like Andy has a bit higher swing weight, for example. But the the frame with its like inherent power and spin, uh, I mean, you need to hit it like Rafa to actually make the ball go in the end because uh, obviously he uses very thick string, relatively high tension. Uh, but it's it's a 360 swing weight. He's 55 pounds. Yeah, 55 pounds. Yeah, or 56, yeah. actually, I think. 56, yeah, yeah. 25.5. 25.5. And he doesn't really play around with string tension. He's uh, generally quite steady. He likes to stay with one tension. What I've heard once about Rafa's record, that he actually likes uh, the new frames to be put to the stringer. And he likes uh, four mains and four crosses on like 35 kilos and just leave it there for like... Uh, half an hour to an hour to just break up a, a few of these micro um, whatever particles in the graphite so that it just actually plays a little bit softer. So he likes that to do with his new frames. Um, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. It, I, he's uh, I know, I know, sorry. I know that he's, he's actually uh, apart from the 1.35 gauge, which is absolutely ridiculous for the RPM blasts. He, he likes, um, he he likes that um, just absolutely normal in my liking because I I play fifty five usually in the mains as well so uh, and and I like that tension I think it's just that's that's really normal in Hungary it's like you know 50, everyone gets a fifty five fifty three that's the that's the normal thing I think it's everywhere I think it's from the days of multifilament strings that uh, people were like yeah you're stringing in the twenty eight kilos or or you know sixty pounds or whatever and then you you take a stiffer polyester string, RPM Blast is a great example, a very good string, but but very firm. And then you give it to, a, you know, an older gentleman who maybe has a shorter swing or miss hits a little bit, 
and who doesn't go to the gym like a lot. Uh, and then he's going to get tennis elbow in three weeks, you know, and I, I see it all the time. Like they have a, a pure drive or a pure arrow or another stiff racket from other brands. It's a fine racket, but you need to string accordingly. You can't string with rough attention and believe that you're going to be uh, okay because it's going to take its toll on your arm. I mean, these guys, they they do lots of physio. They have rehab. They do ice baths. They do everything to be able to play on this level, and, and we can't really mimic their equipment. I think that, that makes no sense, really. And they, if you're going to play with that, I mean, you need to have put in some some physical work behind it and obviously have very good technique as well. That helps, of course. But interesting about um, the actually, you know, adding some tension to the frame before you actually string it. So that that's not uncommon. You know, some players like their uh, frames a bit beat, you know, beaten in. They they don't want that like super fresh frame because it's that's its stiffest. The same with the string, like first hour of a string, it's quite firm it's quite stiff and it, not everyone likes it they like it to to rest for an hour you know and so it's definitely not unheard of and they these guys get new frames like every three months or whatever you know they get a batch and then uh depends on 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 the player and then how much they break the frames but generally they get a new batch and they, yeah so i like i like fact. fritz who doesn't care about it he just picks it up and beats rougher with it that, that's the feeling i have <laughs> but then then um then you never know like sometimes these um these rumors are around and then it's not actually true the players are super picky or whatever you know I don't really think uh, Taylor is. I, I I do believe that you're right with him because he doesn't look like he he always cares about his hair behind his his headband more than anything else, and maybe that his girlfriend has the uh, you know the the polishest nails uh, around because uh, that's what you see. Look, I I love Taylor. I think he's a great character. He's a great player. Um, he's he's a breath of fresh air as well because he's he's a bit like a, sort of an old school player with his big hits. You know, he doesn't really care about if it's in or out. And now he's just playing unbelievably well. So he had a great year. And what I wanted to say, Ruth had an unbelievably great year. So I wish for him to next year that he will be hopefully in the final of the um, of the Garros. And I also believe that, you know, he, he has a pretty good chance um, in Flushing Meadows as well. So I, I think the two tournaments where he did well this year, he will have a good chance next year as well. Yeah, both, both of those guys are actually playing tomorrow and it's going to be a dogfight, I think. These two guys are, are very solid heavy hitters from the back of the court, Rude a bit more conservative and Fritz a bit more aggressive. So I think that's a great match. But the, the one match we have uh, before us tonight, this will be old news while the time you listen to it, but that's that's life. But it's an interesting <laughs> matchup. It's Djokovic versus Tsitsipas. And Djokovic and Tsitsipas played in the semifinals of Paris. And uh, Tsitsipas was in good shape. I mean, he could have won that match. Uh, they ended in a tie-break in the third set, which Djokovic won. But like yeah, you remarked... three up. Yeah, exactly. But four, what, yeah, yeah. yeah, what you remarked last time was that uh, it was like Djokovic won too easy in many matches, like the first set. And then he would just like, ah, you know, I have to put my brakes off, you know, on here a bit. So we have a match in the third, uh, some some kind of like Andy Murray stuff. Like Andy Murray likes to suffer on the tennis court. He needs to not win easily at all costs. Uh, so I think we'll see if, if Djokovic is on his game and then he should be the clear favorite. But as you said, Tsitsipas has won this event. So uh, he likes the indoors. He's very, uh, you know, good serve, very aggressive serve of all these stuff, you know. Who won last year? That's what I was thinking about um, in Turin, because that was the first in Turin last year, wasn't I it? I think Medvedev so, uh, won, no? Or was it Djokovic? Um, I'm not 100% sure. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Who won last year? Easily check through a website called Google. Let's see here. <laughs> I never used that, so I don't know how that works. Uh, no, no, I don't, don't really use it. <laughs> uh, it was actually Sverev who won last year. Okay, so it was very. So what I wanted to say with that is that the um, conditions are so different in Turin that I think Tsitsipas has a good chance to beat Novak. His game is really suited for faster courts as well because his big serve, um, his forehand, and and I felt his backhand was working really well against Novak last week. So, um, sorry, the week before, it was two weeks ago now. I think Tsitsipas has a good chance. I still, obviously, Novak is still the clear favorite. But if you think about it, that all three matches, yeah, again, arguably the the Rafa match was the one which was fairly fifty fifty at least or sixty forty Taylor. But but all three finished with 
rather a surprise than not. And and yeah, I, I haven't actually said anything about Rude against Felix. And, and that was an interesting point that, that Felix doesn't like how Rude plays. But Rude is a brilliant player. So I I, I do think um, if if he if he has a really good off season, which I believe he will, then um, that I think uh, Ruth will have a really good uh, 2023. And, and I think there, it, it will be one of the best years for tennis. I, I truly believe that because there's so many good players coming up. If you, if you take Alcaraz and Rune in this eight, which are already in there, and again, some might argue that Rafa might not be able to come back, but he's still Rafa Nadal, who won two slams this year. So don't forget that he had an unbelievably great year. And if he just plays semi-well in this and he wants he wins two matches and, and he gets to the semis, maybe even gets to the final, you never can write off Rafa. So that's what I said. If he gets through the group stage, he will have a chance to win this. I still stand by that. After the first match as well, I still believe Rafa can pull it off if he gets through the groups. Yeah, I actually checked the the, uh, the betting odds because I was curious, and uh, the bookies think that Rafa is yeah not the favorite against Alessim. Alessim is the favorite by one sixty-seven. This is decimal odds. The the sites I checked uh, two thirty-eight for Rafa. So um, yeah, it's interesting that that it's uh, he's not the favorite there, uh, which makes sense considering the results recently and how fresh he is from from not playing tennis. All right, so um, did we pick a winner for the ATP finals last week? <laughs> I, I, no, no, we don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> it. It is impossible. I think this is. This is very, very difficult. Like you said, like I think anyone in the field can win. I mean, literally anyone. I, I, I feel like um, Novak will win it uh, as a statement. I, that's, that's my gut feeling that he, he really wants to prove a point after Rune beating him um, literally like last week. Let's, let's, let's say last week. It was just eight days ago. Um, so I think Novak will win it. Uh, but... Again, if he gets, let's say, Fritz in a semis and Fritz is on fire, then then he's he's not gonna have the game to 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 beat that because you know this is a really really fast hard court indoors where they don't have because what Novak can do really well he can adjust his game to certain conditions. So I think here there's no conditions what he has to like overcome against the younger maybe more like more powerful players so i i would still say novak but as you say literally anyone can win it yep i think it's uh, like the first time i feel that about a big event like this is a big event obviously uh usually you have like two or three favorites you always add the goats if the goats are playing and then maybe have an outsider like one, two, maybe team or Tsitsipas or, or somewhere in that range. And now you have Alcaraz as well, of course. Uh, but this one feels completely open and it's fun. And it's fun. It, it shows that it's like very, very difficult to predict and it, that's going to be be entertaining to watch. Uh, I, I actually have uh, really no idea. I usually pick Djokovic. I think he's uh, he will want to prove a point. Like I, I, I saw some practice points from his match. He was practicing with Rune. And he looked really pissed off when he lost points. Like he, he, I think that that loss hurt. You know, I think that it's pretty clear. And he, when he gets angry, he's like the Hulk. You know, and tennis Hulk. He really wants to win at all costs. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. Um, I'm, I'm gonna pick uh, Djokovic as well. I think, I think he's gonna take it in the end. But it would be fun if Rafa won because he has never won it, or any of the, you know, other guys like Fritz or Rude. We also had another type of uh, final. Uh, was the next gen finals, which we talked about before the event and none neither of us were correct about our predictions which uh yeah we can't really blame us for that because it was not easy to predict either uh and in the end it was brandon nakashima american player very very i would say solid and consistent he's quite a versatile player like some of the other players are more like show real i would say lorenzo mosetti which was the favorite He's a showman. Uh, I mean, you like Shapovalov. I like Shapovalov. You have to like Musetti. You know, it's it's just like beautiful strokes, elegant play, tries to mix it up, uh, sometimes too much, and then he, you know, backfires. So there was Musetti. And then I also really enjoyed watching uh, Giri Leheshka, who was this Czech guy. He was beautiful game, big power, uh, but he had a hang-up against Nakashima in some form because he didn't win a set. They played twice in this event. They played in the final 
and Leheshka couldn't uh, yeah win a set actually too too strong for uh, for Nakashima. Did you manage to watch anything of this? Bits and bobs. Um, so I've heard Musetti citing um, fatigue for his losses. He lost to Stricker in five, and Stricker was actually quite a pleasant surprise because we we thought that like as an underdog, we we believe that Stricker can actually come through the group and you know he can do well, and he did well. But in the end, you could see that it was more like the the solid sort of ground stroke guys. Because uh, if you look at Draper, Stricker, Musetti, you like to watch them more because they're just they just have a bit more flair. But Lehechka is good. He he has been, you know, his movement is is immaculate around the court, and he's a bit like Burdick, like. So what I would say is that he has a he has a big game, not the biggest of serves, but it's still good. So you know, it's it's quite a solid serve. But from the back of the court, he's really really solid. So that's why I'm actually, um, you know, you have to compare people in tennis. I don't know why, but but that's the same sort of school as as what I was saying is that I think. Uh, Burdick and Petr Korda and you know all those guys they they play really really well clean hitters they have immaculate techniques so so it was it was good to see that Lechka was there and uh, and actually Thomas Mahatz as well uh, he was playing a challenger what we will we will talk about Pucic beat him in the semis but but yeah it's um it's really good to see Czech uh, uh, players from the Czech Republic uh, come through and about Brandon Nakashima Look, we talked about him. We said that we think that he's he's good. He's a right. Um, he's he's not as not as explosive, let's say, as Corda. But he had a good year in general. He's top fifty, I think he is, or round about top fifty. So he's he's a good player. He can definitely be a seed in like Wimbledon or you know the Garros, because if he has a good good winter and early spring, he can actually like, you know, if he if he strings a few um a few tournaments together, he can actually be in the the the, the top 32. And if he's a seed in a grand slam, he can actually get to the fourth round with a bit of luck. So so he has a good good career and and you know he he was he was announced as an unbelievable talent talent and he is good. I'm just not really excited to watch him. He's okay. You know, he's, as I say, you know, he has good forehand, good backhand. I really enjoyed his game against Kyrgios. But I watched that game because of Kyrgios, not really because of Brandon Nakashima. And there's no, you know, he's he's a sort of a, I will never get excited about him, I don't think, because he doesn't have anything that spectacular. He's just good on both sides. He can volley, he has a good serve and, and everything else. But, yeah, I mean, I would a lot rather watch a Musetti Lehechka than, than a Nakashima, I don't know, Stricker. Um, so so it, it was exciting. Uh, it was a good tournament. I, I still don't really mind this fast four format because I think it's, it's quite an exciting something. Um, and I just wanted to say that uh, Musetti just lost in a final set tie break against uh, Stricker, so that was that was a, a like a, an enormous match. So yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I, I wasn't like as I said it in the beginning of this next gen finals as well. There's not a lot to look forward to. So there's not if Rune would have would have been playing. Yeah, well, you know, you you will watch Rune because you know he's he's like he's like the new Alcaraz. Which is weird to say, but but those two guys are special. Uh, Musetti's special. Um, even Domi Stricker, he's he's great, and you know I, I I think he he can have a great year. Although he he appeared on on the tour three years ago, and he's still yeah he's he's around. He was a hundred and eleven uh, just like two weeks ago, so that's his career high. He will definitely be a top hundred player next year because he's. Um, He's a good stocky player, so he he can he can definitely win a few rounds, and you know he has good uh, good culture. He's coming from and all that, but this was a tournament which was not really boiling my blood. It wasn't something which which I really wanted to um, you know throw everything away and watch tennis for like six hours straight. No, and it feels a little bit gimmicky with the scoring. I mean, I, I must say, I, I mean, obviously, if they played. Uh, you know the normal three sets uh, with up to six 
I might not have been super excited either. And this makes it faster, but probably also without ranking points makes it a little bit less, you know, fascinating to to watch because it's only the prize money, really. It means a lot to the players because they're young and they haven't done a lot on the tennis court yet comparatively to to other pro events you watch. Uh, I like watching Draper, big power. Uh, he's he's I, the the guys that you mentioned is also the guys I was I was watching some matches here, not the whole matches, but but I watching bits and bobs. And Jack Draper is fun to watch. Um, Stricky wasn't bad. Like uh, I I don't know if he he seems very strong mentally. Like the tie breaks C one, I saw he win a lot of like tight uh, tie breaks. I mean they play tie breaks at three three here. Uh, so he was pretty clutch player. We'll see if he can keep that up. I've seen him live as well. Wasn't super impressed then. Like he doesn't look like either super fit or super powerful or anything that just stands out. But some players can just find something within them and, and be quite special. But the guys that are, I really enjoyed watching Leheshka and uh, Draper. I think those two guys in the in the field and Mosetti, of course. But I feel like Mosetti is more of an established player than the rest because he already won ATP 500. I mean, to win an ATP 500, you need to be pretty good already or have a pretty good highest level. So, which I think he has. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't the the this, the most exciting event. I did a poll on Instagram. Tennis nerd Insta for you who listen and don't follow, uh, please do. Uh, and or the tennis enthusiast, which is Dennis's account. I, I really didn't get the sense that players were just you know dying to watch this. And sometimes with the ATP finals, I have a similar feeling, although obviously not that strong. But it's the the Grand Slams is what tennis is all about. And I would say second in line is is the Masters events. Like the Masters events are very exciting generally, especially the the Indian Wells and the bigger ones, the clay court ones. It's quite interesting uh, what you say, because yesterday I, I watched the Fritz Nadal and I, I wasn't I wasn't really drawn in. It was so strange because I think in the O2 you were watching, no matter what happened. And now somehow in Turin, you're like, okay, it's, it's good because, you know, high quality tennis is on TV, but you're not like, so, for example, for me yesterday, I was um, I, I love American football, and I was watching watching Red Zone, which is which is a weekly show about American football. And I was like, yeah, well, this is the beginning of the set. Okay, let's watch a few games. Yeah, okay, Fritz won in a minute twenty seconds. Rafa won in four minutes thirty five seconds, and then they were like, you know, and and literally within like five minutes, it was four one. Fritz so you know and and then you knew it's there's no way back for Rafa so I, I will definitely tune in for Novak against Staff because I think that will be a good match and and I'm and I'm pretty sure the the Rublev Medvedev was a good match as well but yeah it's 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 an interesting concept and I and I and I like the Masters the the whole atmosphere of the Masters more in many ways, because for example, Indian Indian Wells is amazing, and and look at the Miami Masters, and those are this like you know Cincinnati and all, all those all those and Monte Carlo Masters, and I can just go on and on, and they, those have an atmosphere, those have um, heritage behind it, and with these ATP finals, yeah, I, I I know what you mean, and and obviously you will watch the semis, you will watch the finals, you will possibly watch rude fritz because that's that's a matchup which i would love to watch but somehow it's it's not as it's not as amazing and and if you look at and if you look at the next gen yeah well that's 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 not that's not something which and last year it was a lot better but it, i wasn't still like i was watching the highlight reel of alcaraz and that was it pretty much uh because you know you knew that he's possibly gonna win it and he was like he was a joke last year he was moving so well that it's unbelievable how how a human being can can uh, move around the tennis court on a hard court as well uh, this quickly and you know sliding into the shots and and that was absolutely ridiculous so i think what what you proposed in the last episode as well to have like this joint um you know one one week prior would be the the women's final and after it would be the men's final that could work out but I know that Turin has now a 10-year contract or something silly, so it's uh, we just have to get used to it, that it's in Turin. Turin is so not a fascinating city, I have to say. Last year we were there, as I said it in the last podcast as well, and we couldn't really do much. So uh, so yeah, it's it's good, but it's not London, it's not New York, it's it's not Paris, so it's just what it is. 
but yeah, it's fine. Um, and and I think um, this is this is the most open finals. Just just as a as a as a sort of closing thought about the ATP finals in in decades, pretty much because there's uh, there's not a clear cut winner, even with the goats in 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 the draw, as you said. Yeah, I think tennis has changed uh, a bit now recently, at least this year, that now you go to an event. Before it was just like, okay, Rafa Novak is playing, they're going to win. Like it's not some of them, one of them are going to win. And now you have this situation where, okay, you know, they can be get beaten by quite a few players now. Like there are quite a few players that can, they're not really intimidated by Rafa or Novak. And it, it was bound to happen. It was, it was supposed to happen many years ago, or at least five maybe years ago. And these guys are so good that they they keep improving, they keep staying strong mentally, physically, and they keep beating other players. But at some point, you know, the clock has to get over to decide where the next gen is coming. And I think this is this is where we are now. Doesn't mean that they will just fold over and die like a bug. You know that that they will still try to win slams. And I think Rafa can win the French Open one more time. I think Nova can win Wimbledon for sure, maybe once or twice more. But Overall, it's not an easy prediction that when they play, that they are like they will be there at, at the end of two weeks, and just holding the trophy. No, no, that's not how easy it is. Now, uh, I think we will see 2023 will be a bit of a transition year, I think, for tennis, and that's why it's going to be a very good year. I think it's going to be a mix of old and new, uh, but with so many exciting players. And I think that's a positive uh, thought that it's going to be a very, very good tennis to look forward to many exciting events. Talking about uh, events, exciting events. I mean, there's stuff happening on the Challenger Tour. You noticed that Ben Shelton, a player we're also excited about, like there's another one that's a, a young talent that can do things on the tennis court. Uh, he's won two Challengers in a row. Um, that's very impressive, beating Chris Eubanks, who's also a good player in the final in both both events. And uh, yeah, the, what, what can you say about Ben? I mean, he's uh, he's an exciting guy, right? Yeah, uh, apart from his really, really short shorts, which are just pretty visible, that like may just put on something which is a bit longer. But um, but he's he's an exciting talent. And what I was saying uh, off air is that I think he's um, he's as exciting as let's say Shapovalov, and he's playing with Yonex uh, Shelton, and and it's great. Um, I think he's playing with uh, with the ninety seven. I think. Yeah, he did uh, make a switch yeah. actually. It changed to um I think the ESO 98 now. Okay. And um he he played uh, Chris Eubanks who looks like a basketball player. He's he's I don't know, he's like 205 or something so he has a massive serve, but obviously uh, uh both guys are making waves um in in the states and you know it's it's pretty good for them that they have uh, local challengers where they can they can travel. And transition is is happening in the American tennis, which is great because, you know, in the last 15 years, apart from Marty Fish and Andy Roddick, there wasn't anyone to get excited about. And I was always rooting for American tennis because I grew up watching Sampras and Agassi and and Jim Courier and, and, you know, uh, Todd Martin and and all those guys. And and it was sad to see that all those, like, you know, there wasn't like a a clear-cut top tenner after Roddick retired. And and that's that that's such a shame. And maybe these guys, like you know, Fritz is now there. Uh, Tiafo had a great year. Um, you know, you you see you see this uh, this guy Ben Shelton, and you 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 cannot just help it, but you're you're quite excited about him. And um, there's there's quite a few things to look forward to in in 2023. But before I get there, I wanted to say uh, just a, a really quick one about the challengers. There, there were really strong challengers this uh, this uh, week, last week, because this is the the, the um, last tournament of the year. So, uh, so they had to get uh, points, and luckily, and you know, I'm I'm really happy about him. Fuchovic uh, won the um, the Bratislava challenger, which I was talking about, and also honorable mention is uh, Fabian Morojan, who's uh, who's a great talent. Um, he beat Struff and he beat uh, Norbert Gombos as well, and he beat Rodionov uh, on his way to the final. So it's it's pretty impressive uh, what he did uh, in in the semis. He beat uh, Sam Chem Ilkel, I think I pronounced his name well, um, who's also surprising because he he plays uh, and he has such a weird service motion. He he almost like bends his. Uh, his left hand behind his back when he tosses the ball like uh, Tiafo. So, 
so it's um it, it was it was a great great um last week for the challenger tour uh and also hugo gaston won in france in Rouen. so uh, hugo gaston won a challenger as well so it, it was it was pretty pretty high quality so it wasn't like you know the 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 usual uh guys and and now you can see around the hundred it's so tough to get into the hundred now all the players around uh, now Fucevic is 97 so so he's he's pretty much set for uh, for the uh, Aussie Open uh, main draw which which was his uh, which was his last chance to secure that and now he did it uh, and also Fabi is uh, Fabian Morjan now he's uh, 172nd in the world so that's pretty impressive and uh, he jumped more than 200 places so that's that's great great for Hungarian tennis that's about it what I wanted to say as well, there's a lot to look forward to in terms of the racket uh, business as well for 2023, I would say, with the new Purero, um, hopefully the Purero VS is coming out, the new um, new version. And I think a new Pure Drive is supposed to come out fairly soon. No, I or think Pure Drive is 20. Yeah, that was 21. So the Pure Drive is, is still... The, the question mark in the racket industry has been around the Pure Strike, I would say, because that's been around now for a while and it's about due an update. That's Generation 3, a very popular model, of course, from Babala. But now they have the Pure Arrow Ralpha. So I think the Pure Strike may be in the second half of the year they will do a new Pure Strike. Uh, Babala people can, can correct me uh, if I'm wrong. So I know a lot of players looking forward to that. And we have like the new Radical from Head, new Gravity from Head. Uh, so a bunch of rackets. There's a new Dunlop FX. Uh, you who follow certain like uh, Jack Draper, he endorses it. Popperin is is hitting bombs with it, uh, the FX line. Obviously, they might be playing with something else underneath the cosmetic, but it's the, the FX is a good racket. It's, a, it's like a pure drive from Dunlop, but has pretty nice uh, control to it. And uh and I really like that one along with the Onyx East zone. So, and the new V-Core from Yonex as well. So every year, I mean, we're getting more and more uh, more gear, more rackets. So it's tough to keep up. More brands are coming onto the scene as well, smaller brands. Uh, but like you said about the tour, and I did look at the top 100 players. I mean, it's a, a beehive of players. It's insane how good the level is now. Now it's so competitive with so many good players that, that I think we will keep seeing the Challenger Tour get better and better. I think the Challenger Tour events will be very, very tough uh, to win uh, from now on, especially like, and it's not easy to win a Challenger ever, but uh, I think the, the tennis is just becoming more and more competitive. I just want to tell the, um, I, I would just say from the 110, just a few names up to 90. So people do understand what we're talking about. So. From 110 downwards, it is Gombosch, Van Rijthoven, Ben Shelton, Jerzy Vesely, Gaston Kubler, Kudla, Banis, Dominic Team. He is 102nd. <laughs> Cechinato, Lajovic, Zhang, who's uh, who I told you about. He's the Chinese player who's uh, now in the top 100. Kotov, Fucevic, Greekspor, Kokinakis, Taro Daniel, Basilashvili is 93rd. Oh my Nuno God. Borges. Uh, Barrera and Safiulin is the 90th. Jesus. So it's it's pretty packed, and I'm not even going down, obviously. But there's there's quite a few amazing players um, around there. And and to be fair, in a way, while I'm while I'm just going down on the ranking, sort of it's a little bit less packed around the 60 to 80. So there's not that sort of clear-cut players as like Cecchinato, who's in the semifinals of the Garros, and also Team, who was who we all know who Dominic Team is. So you know it's it's quite interesting what's going on, and that there's definitely going to be quite a few players who will come up next year um, and and be in the top hundred um, for for a long time. I would say even even Fucevic is great that he uh, he got back because he was in. Uh, in the top hundred for five years straight, and now he just fell out because of uh, Wimbledon, actually. So he was he was one of the one of the biggest sufferers of of the no points in Wimbledon. Uh, what I also wanted to say is that yeah, we we talked about the rackets, but the new vapor is coming out. I don't know if you've seen a picture of it. It's it's pretty lush. It looks quite quite good. Yeah, yeah. I, I published something as a story on my my Instagram, and uh, my friend from Nike said, "Oh, you can publish that." <laughs> no, he was, <laughs> he was he was joking a bit, but yeah, I I can be annoying, I guess, for to to some brands. But 
but yeah, it looks good. It looks like the vapors might be back. And they, he said that they've done a lot of work on it. So I think that's going to be exciting launch for you shoe lovers. Still trying to get my hands on a, a Roger uh, on shoe as uh, so I can, can try that at some point. I you will. Cut it. You, you, Giannis, that's your fault, by the way, because you cut it out from one of our podcasts. I, I did uh, um, an announcement that please anyone who listens to us do get us each and on uh, running or just on now tennis shoes. So don't cut this out now. No, I won't. I won't cut it out. <laughs> if it results in a in a in a free shoe, I, I won't cut it out. No, no. But it's a it's a. I, I'm just curious how how that has kind of fold followed the the Federer shoe that was before with Nike. So and and also I I have two own shoes, uh, one training one shoe and one sneaker that I really like. I think they they make some great shoes. It's not just hype. It's actually. Uh, some good stuff so um yeah for you shoe lovers out there will be fun to hear about the the roger what what was interesting as well sorry just uh just the last thought about on is that ben shelton was playing in new balance shoes and uh, because i think the new balance shoes which look like a lego shoe they they look pretty good and and i mean not like they look okay let's put it that way but i'm pretty sure that they are really really good shoes and he's playing in on the gear so he had uh t-shirts which were on which I didn't, I didn't know that on was was uh, making apparel, but but yeah, uh, you know why not? Why not? I, think, I know that uh, yeah, I know that actually uh, Jack Sock uh, with Lululemon, he has Lululemon clothing, and and he was playing with on shoes. Yeah, and no, I think uh, I saw the picture because you uh, you I was uh, curious about his short shorts, and they were pretty short <laughs> to be honest. Uh, he's like a, a a girl from Instagram. Uh, no, but then and the shoes are incredibly ugly from the first visual no no offense new balance i know you make nice shoes but these shoes from afar uh, looks like like ronald mcdonald came out on a tennis court i mean it's it's pretty bad <laughs> and i'm pretty sure that it looks looks as bad from close up as well so you don't really have to look it up from from quite quite a distance or maybe from like two k's it's it's quite it's quite nice because you don't see the shoes I think maybe uh, it's sometimes it's good. Like, I mean, you, you remember the um, the Wawrinka shorts from 2015, I think it was when he won the, the French Open. I mean, they were so ugly that everybody talked about and looked like, a, you know, a tablecloth for some Italian trattoria, you know, and they and uh, they were so ugly that people like, yeah, they're cool. Like they, they were so ugly, they became cool because he won. Like if he had lost, nobody would have cared, I guess. Um, but some, some things are just, you know, get the hype because they're so ugly. But these shoes, I, I have a hard time seeing them go past the like the kids menu at mcdonald's but that's that's how it is sorry ben for your uh, fashion trash <laughs> trashing <laughs> it was not intended but, it... but you were playing amazing Ben. so keep it up and and yeah, exactly. you know we we give you a shout out because you, you you definitely you definitely uh had a great great end of the year and yeah now you're he's one 107 so so he's gonna be like first or second seed in the australian qualities so that's that's really good Yes, that is true. Okay, I think it's time to close. We have done an hour, which is uh, pretty good talking. I'm going to edit a video. And after that, I'm going to be watching a little bit of uh, Djokovic versus Tsitsipas and see what happens. Absolutely. Guys, thank you very much um, for listening, obviously. And, and we'll be here. And if you have questions or things that you think we should talk about, please uh, comment on tennisnerd.net or contact us via the Tennis Nerd contact us forum. Uh, so you can find anything on tennisnerd.net and, and I'll, I'll read all the comments. And if you have any interesting questions, we'll, we'll reveal them. Uh, or if you want to see pictures of, of Dennis's cats, I mean, that's fine too. We'll, we'll publish them. <laughs> I think that could be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Awesome, man. Have a nice evening. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Thanks. See you later.